I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me once again to the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. We are continuing our series on the Hall of Faith. Hebrews 11, where the preacher of Hebrews looks at so many of the various Old Testament characters, teaching us of their faith and allowing their faith and commitment and obedience to God to serve as an example for us. Then when we turn to Hebrews 12, you then hear the writer of Hebrews saying, Now, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race before us. So we're learning through Hebrews 11's Hall of Faith of the Old Testament characters. Today, we look at Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll begin at verse 8. By faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to a city that has a foundation whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received the power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born, as many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, He has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He had received the promises. He who had received the promises, rather, was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, this, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. I love the story of Abraham. What a great story it is. And some of us were sharing as we were thinking about the story of Abraham. We were reminded of a song we used to sing when we were 
children. And I remember serving one of my earlier churches. There was a pastor nearby. He was an elderly pastor, retired, but serving at this small church. And he would invite the children to come forward for a children's story. And, and then despite his age, he would get up and have the children to get up and they would sing the song, Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And then you'd right arm, sing the song again, left arm, sing the song again, right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot, turn around, sit down. It was a neat little song to sing as kids. The Abraham story its exciting to read. I invite you to take your Bibles, go back to the Genesis accounts, beginning around chapter 11, chapter 12, read the Abraham narrative. It's a story of great faith. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. But you'll also find a little manipulation in the story too. God had told them, you're going to have a child. But God seemed to be taking a little bit too long to make that happen, so let's help the Lord out just a little bit. Sometimes we hear the promise of God. We just don't have patience with God and then try to manipulate. It's interesting to see the story. There's a little bit of lying, too. One of the things I love about the Scripture is it makes it clear that even those with greatest faith are not always perfect. Abraham believed, trusted God, followed God, and yet you'll read in the story when they start approaching Egypt, he gets a little bit nervous. Honey, you are beautiful. And my fear is they're going to see how gorgeous you are and they're going to kill me so they can have you. So when we go in, tell everybody you're my sister. Well, perfect? No. But faithful? Yes. Abraham had faith in God, and he was willing to be obedient to God. And the writer of Hebrews sees what God did through Abraham and, and sees, in spite of his humanness, how God was able to use him to become the father of the faith and to make it an amazing difference in the people of God and to be a mentor, a teacher, a guide for all of us so that we might now be the people God is calling us to be. What do we learn from Abraham? Well, one is God called Abraham just to leave everything and go to a new land. If you turn back, for example, to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, hadn't quite been changed to Abraham yet, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you, make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then listen to this. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. I mean, that's, that's kind of a big deal because Abram, who becomes Abraham at this point, is 75 years of age. But I also want you to think about this. At this point, Abraham and Sarah did not have any children. 
There's 75. And now they're being told, I want you to leave this land, leave your kindred, leave your family, leave your father's house, and go to a land that, I'm not show, that I haven't shown you yet, but that I'm, I am going to make for you. Abraham didn't have a clue where he was heading, being willing to be obedient to God. I mean, he was leaving his heritage behind. I grew up in the country, and land means something to people of the land, a farming community. This was my grandfather's land. It became my father's land. Now I'm working the land, hope to pass it to our children someday. And, and you hear those stories, and Abraham's asked to leave it all. But not only his heritage, it's his security, because without children, without heirs, without people who will take care of you, moving to a, a, a new land that you're not even aware exactly where it is, what it's like, leaving your kindred, well, that's your security, that's your comfort, that's knowing there are people here who care for me. That's why I think you remember Hebrews 11, verse 1, tells us what faith is. It's faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Because Abraham is heading to a land that he had never seen. And God honors his promise to make him the father of a great nation. The covenant with Abraham, as you read the story, is I will be your God and you will be my people. And Abraham sets out in obedience and sets out in faith to be the people that God had called them to be. For Abraham to be the people that God had called him to be. To be a great nation that has trust and faith in God. It is the 4th of July and this is a day when we also pause to remember that there were some others who felt God leading them to move to a new land, to, to go to a place where they would have freedom, a, a land that could be built on the fact that in God we trust. And so they set out for a new world, set out for a new land because they had faith and trust in God. And now we are recipients of that as we join together with the freedoms that we have today. God made covenant. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. And Abraham was willing to focus on a higher kingdom as well. It wasn't so much the geography that was important to Abraham. It was the covenant and the relationship with God. I mean, remember the scripture as we just looked at it in Hebrews 11 verse 10, for he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. There's this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and Abraham wasn't just looking at an earthly kingdom, an earthly place. But I'm looking to be the part of the kingdom that God is establishing. So Hebrews 11 verse 16 goes on to say, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. I'm part of a kingdom that transcends the earth. I'm, I'm part of a, a kingdom of God that transcends some of the stuff that happens in our world here around us. And the Hebrews went on to say, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, He has prepared a city for them. Abraham having no clue where he was going, was obedient to God, focused on the covenant and the kingdom of God, 
And then God says to him, and I'm going to make you a great nation. You'll have descendants more numerous than the stars in the sky. And, and Abraham just had to find that a little bit funny because Abraham was 99 at the point of this conversation. His wife, Sarah, was 90. It reminds me when I first moved to Williamson Chapel in Morsel. There was a couple there that we fell in love with, just dearly loved, Robert and Frankie Howard. Uh, they were just incredible. Robert and I bonded in so many ways over church barbecues. He had black Angus cattle that I helped him move a couple times because I grew up out in the country and didn't mind working with the cattle and other things. And Frankie was just one of those jewels of the church, always involved helping in any way. We first moved there and we're working together one day. I noticed Frankie had on a necklace that had children that were carved out in wood they were there on her necklace, and there were six of them. And they were her kids. This had been made for her. It was her children on the necklace. And I said, ah, I see that you have six children. Now, remember, Robert and Frankie at this age were well retired. And Frankie looked at me and she goes, so far, with a straight face. And here I am, the new preacher, and I get a little bit tickled. And she goes, why are you laughing? Don't you know the Abraham and Sarah story? And that became the joke between us. Every time I saw Miss Frankie wearing the six children on the necklace, I would go, so far, you never know, Abraham and Sarah. Think about what that would be like to be up in years and, and God tells you you're about to be parents, especially not only was Abraham old, but they were unable to have children. Sarah was unable to have children and now to be getting this promise, Genesis 15 verse 5 tells us the story. He brought him outside, meaning brought Abraham outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteous. Ninety-nine years old, God says, look at the stars of the sky. I'm gonna, you're going to have that many descendants. And Abraham believes him. Then I love when you turn on over to Genesis 18, verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself when they hear the news. And Sarah overhears the angel sharing with Abraham. You know, Sarah's going to have a child. Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I've grown old, my husband is old. Shall I still have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, Oh, yes, you did laugh. I mean, I love the fact that even at this age, even though it just seems hilarious, they are offered a child. You're going to have a child. Paul actually references Abraham's faith in Romans, Romans chapter 4, verse 3, and he says, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And in skipping down to Romans 4.19, he said, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, 
which was already good as dead, for he was about a hundred years old when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. I mean, amazing faith. And then we hear the story. And there's a lot in between the story that Isaac is born. Ah, God fulfilled his promise. The child is born. But then, then we get a curveball. All of the sudden, Abraham's faith is going to be tested. I've always been told there are two things you should never pray for. One is patience, the other is faith. Because the only way to get them is to test them, to wrestle with them, to go through some times that make you lean on your faith or work out your patience. Genesis 22, what a test. Listen to this story. Verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. Wow. I mean, God called you to leave the land, promised you descendants, took for what seemed like an eternity to finally have this child. You're blessed with a miraculous child. And now you want me to sacrifice him? This makes no sense. How, how can I have descendants numerous as the stars of the sky through this kid if while he's a young boy, you want me to sacrifice him? It, it made no sense. But listen what Abraham does. No wonder he's called the father of the faith. Genesis 22 verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering, set out, and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, then we'll come back to you. Now there's some faith. We will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, so the two of them walked together. Now this is the part that cuts your heart. Verse 7, Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. I mean, as a father, I just I can't imagine that scene that all of a sudden God says to you, I need you to take your child, go to this place and, and offer him as a, as a burnt offering. And and all of a sudden you're just traumatized and how can this be? And yet Abraham is obedient. 
And they began the journey walking together. Twice, Genesis tells us, they're walking together. And when they get close, they leave the others behind. It's just Abraham and Isaac. They're carrying the supplies. And all of a sudden, I mean, picture this. Little Isaac walking beside of his dad looks up and goes, Daddy? Yes, son. Well, we got the wood. And we got the fire. We seem to have everything we need, but... But where's the offering? Where's the lamb? I mean, we, we normally bring a lamb. Where's the lamb, Daddy? Well, the Lord's going to provide. How's the Lord going to provide? I mean, how many times did you ever answer a, a child's question and it just was one question, one answer? Well, how's the Lord going to provide the lamb? Well, how will we catch it? Where will it be? You can imagine Abraham's heart breaking with every step, every question. The closer they get, the more the knot in the stomach occurs. Daddy, where the Lord's going to provide? How? Well, look at verse 9. Genesis 22. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. Can you imagine what was going through his mind? He bound his son Isaac laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Daddy, what are you doing? Daddy, no. Let me go. Let me go. You can imagine the cries from Isaac. You can imagine the tears flowing down the face of Abraham. God, this makes no sense. Why? And yet he continues on. Verse 10, Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram called in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, as it is still called today. On the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Wow. Abraham may have had some faults. We all do, but no wonder he's called the father of the faith. He left everything to a land he didn't have a clue about, heard he was going to have descendants, and yet he believed the Lord that's reckoned as righteous. Once he has a son, he's told to sacrifice him. And even though he didn't understand, he does. He's willing to do it, but God stops him because the Lord will provide the lamb. We're Christians. We know the rest of the story. What's interesting is Abraham had amazing faith, but God did provide the lamb. For a descendant of Abraham is yet to come, who will be the only begotten Son of God. And this time, instead of it being Abraham's son that's placed on the altar, God will place his only son there, his own son there. And where Abraham was given a reprieve because he didn't have to 
He didn't have to sacrifice his son because the God would, God provided a ram. When it came time to sacrifice God's son, he, he went through with it because the only begotten son of God became the lamb. And he offered himself for us. And now we are called to be the people of faith, the covenant people of God, recognizing that we have a God who is always faithful and provides the lamb. Abraham didn't know the whole story, and yet he believed, and God reckoned it to him as righteous. We now know the rest of the story. And will God reckon it to us, our faith, as righteousness?